African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Thank you for joining us. Uh, good morning, everybody. This is African Dialogue with me, Benjamin Mushatama. You are listening to us uh, right here on Channel Africa, where you get your perspective of the African continent. Yes, we are your African perspective. And thank you for joining us on DSTV Channel 802. And also, if you're listening to us via our stream, we're on www.channelafrica.co.za. Today, we are looking at uh, what was recommended uh, Recognized last week, which was the 12th of September, which was the commemoration of uh, Steve Bantubiko's death after he was assassinated at uh, the Pretoria Central Prison on September 12, 1977. Well, we're going to change, not just look at it from a historical perspective or a commemoration viewpoint, but we're going to use his idea of black consciousness and also his um a philosophy which was a black consciousness uh, uh, idea which he inherited of course uh, in the 1960s from uh, his readings from the France Fanons of this world and it became kind of a consciousness uh, for uh, in the 1960s uh, uh, for anti-apartheid activism in South Africa. Now we know Steve Biko was an anti-apartheid activist who spearheaded the black consciousness movement in South Africa in 1968 Biko co-founded the South African Students' Organization, an all-black student organization focusing on the resistance of apartheid, and subsequently spearheaded the newly started black consciousness movement in South Africa. He wasn't alone, but definitely he was the face behind it. Biko became Sasso's president in 1969. It was in August 1977 he was arrested and held in Port Elizabeth, located at the southern tip of South Africa. The following month of September 11, Biko the, uh, was found naked and shackled several miles away in Pretoria, South Africa. We know that those images are actually available and uh, they are very uh, startling and saddening indeed. But to assist us on uh, this idea of uh, how we as uh, South Africa or the continent can use black consciousness and the legacy of um, uh, Steve Biko as a heritage of our, our philosophy uh, in the continent and in our country. We're joined by Professor Ramatate uh, Dulamo, who is an emeritus a professor at the Discipline of Theological Ethics Department in the University of South Africa. Uh, professor, thank you for giving us your time. Thank you very much for putting me on. Well, Let's look at this ideology of um, uh, black consciousness. I know that we use it very loosely in today's uh, um, society. Um, we hardly even use it these days. We only use it when it's convenient, it seems so. Or when we hear of Steve Biko's uh, death, that's when it kind of comes up again into our memory. But how can we describe this black consciousness movement and can we say, um, as Africans, we understand this notion? Yes. Um, as Biko himself said, black consciousness is an attitude of mind. And importantly, it's a way of life. So 
this philosophy was not meant to be, for example, solidified into 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 a political party, for example. Mm. What he looked forward to was that this philosophy had to be infused into society, that it should be really uh, be moved from one generation to another. So when people ask whether um, it is still relevant, um, um, I am really surprised because the legacy that he left behind, if you read at what he has done and uh, what also his uh, fellow uh, founders of the philosophy have done, it shows that uh, it is not only relevant for South Africa, mm-hmm. but it's really relevant for Africa as a whole. Um, mind you, when they started this philosophy, they had to read very wild. They read all the works that have been done, for example, in, in, in the U.S. They read what also happened with African leaders such as Julius Nyerere, um, they write all those. Because what they realized was that um, for them, in order to move ahead, they had to understand the roots of the African continent. Mm. Um, One of the biggest, uh, I think, legacies that he has left behind, it would be education. one main thing that he has told us, together with co-founders like uh, Mampela Rampela and uh, Bani Pijana and so on, was to say that people have to be educated in order to liberate themselves. Mm-hmm. So therefore, they went into all the th- those things of adult education, skills mm-hmm. training, health promotion, to make sure that people really get the value out of this educational system. Um, Further, what they did was in the area of research. You know, um, even before this uh, fees must fall um, movement, I think they had already laid that kind of a foundation because um, among themselves, they decided that they cannot any longer uh, consume research that has been produced for them by people who are not Africans. So they brought out, for example, a black review, black viewpoint, black perspectives. They wanted to know themselves and let the world know what uh, black consciousness is all about. Mm. So therefore, production and dissemination of um, black consciousness was very crucial for them. Mm. Um, sure, Professor Dulamo, I want us to stick to that in terms of the ideology in itself. Is it a loose idea of just you affirming yourself as a black person, or can it be pinned in some principles, or uh, can it be actually located into one idea? Yes, one one idea that really comes out here is really to say, um, black people must stand on their own. Therefore, you find that uh, uh, self-reliance became um, 
an organizing principle. We have got to rely on ourselves. We are not objects of charity because all those things of charity and all those other things dehumanize us as black people. Therefore, we have to restore our integrity as human beings. And therefore, for example, even the, the, the development projects that they, they came up with, mm. it was to say we have got to rely on ourselves. So there were projects across the country, in Durban, in Pretoria, especially uh, the Nimbilo Community Health Center that was in the eastern uh, Cape, uh, started by, um, by Digo himself and, 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 and Mampele. It was really to say uh, we are going to do things for ourselves. Mm. All right, I'm going to take a quick break and I'm going to come back to you, Professor Dolamo. Uh, that is uh, Professor uh, Ramatate uh, Dolamo, who is an emeritus professor at the Department of Discipline of Theological Ethics at the University of South Africa. We're trying to break down uh, Steve Biko's uh, uh, black consciousness movement, as we've heard from uh, uh, Professor Dolamo, the fact that it wasn't just a Steve Biko idea, but he had some colleagues and associates and they were really pioneering their own ideas especially when they were university students and trying to reaffirm uh, the knowledge of their own selves and who they were and also knowledge bringing in terms of from an African viewpoint and perspective. It's uh, 16 minutes past 11 o'clock Central African time. Stay with us as we continue to look at black consciousness as a heritage for the continent. Welcome to Change Your Game here on Channel Africa, the African Perspective. We're coming to you from Johannesburg in South Africa. My name is Asanda Peta. What uh, GDF Forum is about and what an opportunity it provides specifically for the audience of Change Your Game. At Change Your Game, we believe entrepreneurs are the key drivers of tomorrow's African innovations and essential to creating a thriving African economy. More support, just like invest more in young creatives and entrepreneurship, but actually do it, don't just talk about it, actually do it, you know, because there are a lot of creative minds, there are a lot of intelligent human beings in our country, so I think we should invest more in that and take it seriously, because it's a real thing. Catch us every Friday at 900 hours Central African time with Channel Africa, the African Perspective. This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on internet and satellite. From an African perspective. Guess what? You can now listen to Channel Africa using Silozi, Chinyanja, Kiswahili, Portuguese, French and English, giving you an African perspective. Hi, my name is Tandalunya Zovu and you are listening to Channel Africa. We are Channel Africa from an African perspective. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. 
Yeah, thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa, where we come to you from our Johannesburg studios. And thank you for joining us on our various platforms. Remember, on DSTV channel, we're on Channel 802 on the audio bouquet. And if you're listening to us on our website, we're on www.channelafrica.co.za. That's www.channelafrica.co.za. Today, we're speaking to Professor Ramatate Dolamo, who's Emeritus Professor at the Discipline of Theological Ethics Department from the University of South Africa. Really looking at uh, uh, Steve Biko and uh, his uh, um, black consciousness uh, legacy. Uh, this is our way of looking at heritage from a more philosophical viewpoint. Do we have some philosophies that have been left behind for us uh, by those who came before us uh, on the African continent? And today we zoom in into Steve Biko's black consciousness philosophy as he was recognized uh, last week after we acknowledged uh, the death uh, uh, that uh, was very painful to see and uh, that was highly that has been highly documented uh, but uh, it actually brings back uh, the legacy that uh, Steve Biko left behind for uh, South Africans and also the continent. Professor Dolamo thank you for staying with us but let's continue this uh, discussion and this conversation because when you look at the black consciousness movement, as you highlighted, that it was student-based. And that's what makes it a fascinating phenomenon, that you saw some young people and they were really affirmed in the idea that they needed to have a consciousness that related to their context, to who they are, to their history, and also to um, their environment. How important was this particular moment in time? Because we know that it actually even changed the tra trajectory of the anti-apartheid struggle. Yeah, one other thing that uh, people do not get right is that uh, black consciousness um, is not time-bound and is not only limited to South Africa. Um, when we now speak about uh, decolonization, we speak about de decolonization of the mind, of uh, education, of religion and of culture, for example. And when we look back, we realize that uh, as a continent, we share a history, a history of slavery, a history of colonization. And of course, in South Africa, it's a history of apartheid. And then, obviously, when people such as Kabombeke uh, came up with the African Renaissance, I think it resonates well with the ideals and principles of uh, the black consciousness uh, philosophy. Mm -hmm. And therefore, um, when young people rose up in, in 1976, now in 2015 regarding a free education uh, a project, it shows that that legacy that was left behind by Biko and the legacy that is still there uh, through um, uh, 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 the proponents of the black, uh, 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 black, theology, con black theology and black consciousness. Because so sometimes it's very difficult to, to speak of black consciousness without uh, black theology. 
as a theologian, mm. I've seen that sure. the two, the two really are, are twins or one side of the same coin, mm. two sides of the same coin, and uh, 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 and this movement has been going on, and we believe that uh, the relevance of uh, this philosophy really lies in the fact that we see what is happening today. You know, they even. Um, uh, uh, some of our leaders today could be Frank Chikani, could be Cyril Ramaphosa, you, you, you name them. They, 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 they tell us that they are what they are today because of black consciousness philosophy. And we believe that if you have got such leaders leading us today and they adhere to the principles and values of black consciousness, we should really be having a very better country um, than we have at the present moment. And therefore, the, the philosophy is there. You know, it's just like us as Christians. Uh, we know the law of God. And when we do not follow it, then unfortunately, uh, some of these disasters happen. Now, if you don't follow black, uh, black consciousness uh, principles and values, um, this is what happens to today. We are where we are today, because mm. I think we are strayed away from the basic principles of the philosophy. Sure. Now, let me bring in Lebu Mashila, who's a, a, a poet and activist and also a playwright in her own sense, and uh, uh, she's also a writer. Lebu, uh, thank you for giving us your time. It's a pleasure to be on the show. Thank you, Benjamin. I appreciate it, and good day to your listeners. Now, Leb, I hear that uh, you are doing something at the State Theatre, but before we get into that work that you're doing, uh, tell us a little bit about um, what you think the Steve Biko Black Consciousness Movement means for South Africa, especially post uh, the area that we find ourselves right now in our democracy, where we're still having social struggles, where we're still also having I think struggles of defining who we are, especially not just as a continent, but even as South Africa. Mm, that's a wonderful question. Um, I, well, firstly, the play is on at the Market Theatre, but we'll speak about that in a minute. Um, I think we have not fully interrogated the values of Steve Biko and Black consciousness as a whole, as a country. If we had inculcated those values into, for example, our mainstream media or our education system, the tools that people use to rely on for information about themselves and about the world, if we had really um, made black consciousness a foundational value in our understanding of ourselves and our history as South Africans, we would not be grappling with the issues that we have right now. We would not be grappling with the overwhelming levels of violence in this country because we would love ourselves. We would not be grappling with uh, mm. issues of Afrophobia and mm. hating black people from sure. the continent because we would locate our own identity and our struggles within the struggles of African people and black people in the diaspora. So it, it, where we are at right now points to the fact that we've done little beyond window dressing, you know, to truly integrate black consciousness as a value system into our society.
Mm. Let, let me bring uh, Professor Dolamo to speak on that label because I think what you're highlighting actually locates us to where we are with our identity and our current mm-hmm. socio-economic challenges. Professor Dolamo, I don't know if you heard uh, Lebu Mashile's response. They're very poignant indeed. What are your thoughts in terms of where we are right now? It seems like we're struggling to locate this uh, black consciousness movement in our current life. Yeah, as as I've said earlier, um, the the legacy is there for us. You know, I I know at the beginning of the Black Consciousness Movement, the main project was on a national um, a level. We wanted to get ourselves free from the clutches of apartheid. And some people believe that because that was the project at the time, therefore today um, it cannot assist us in 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 matters of um, the, the domestic violence, uh, 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 gender-based violence, you know, all those other things. But um, at the time, as, as the times move, and these challenges come up, but we do have those principles of saying, hey, we are all sisters and brothers, we enjoy same humanity, and therefore, whether you are a woman or you are a child or you belong to um, another uh, uh, organization, you are still a human mm. being. Mm. And, 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 and therefore, when this violence and xenophobic attacks and everything comes up, mm. um, it's just a question of saying this is the basic principle. We are humans, all of us. You know, let me come back to you, Lebo, once again, in terms of saying, you know, philosophies are very um, invisible. Let's let's keep it to that. And sometimes they link to education systems or they, sh- they can be entrenched through um, institutions. But something like a black consciousness movement um, philosophy is, is, is mm-hmm. not really linked to any institution unless you're studying it uh, uh, from an academic viewpoint. And maybe that's where it's problematic, the fact that we don't have it the idea of it is not easily accessible for us as black people. I'm not sure if it is accessible in terms of it as an idea and as a philosophy. Maybe that's why we're feeling that we're not really um, living it out. Is that the main challenge? You know, South Africa is one of the most unequal societies on earth. The overwhelming majority of people in this country are focused on bread and butter issues of survival and are constantly being bombarded with messages about what material needs, what material aspirations they should have, what material goods they should have in a society that makes it impossible for people to be able to acquire those goods. So, I mean, at a foundational level, Black consciousness is about inculcating a sense of self-worth and solidarity in black people, using the historical experience of black people on planet Earth as the foundation, particularly the global oppression of black people over the last five centuries, which has included slavery and colonialism. Of course, the history of black people and people of color goes long beyond that into millennia and millennia of travel, of excellence, of innovation in all kinds of sectors from astrology to mathematics to business to empire building to leadership, you know. Um, but, But I mean, what 
the period of time in which we have been broken as a people is the last 500 years. And getting a, a, a black child to understand that the reasons why they find themselves living in poverty or the reason why they, we find ourselves living in communities that are plagued by violence, the reason why we find ourselves living in communities where people are not able to access services that are their right to be able to access is not because we are inherently inferior. It is by design. So I hear what you're saying, mm. you know, when you, when you make these, when you make a philosophy like black consciousness, you know, or even feminism for that matter, when you make it as abstract, you know, as a philosophy and mm. keep it in the realm of academics, mm. people don't understand that this way of thinking affects your way of living and being. It affects the material conditions of your life because it has, uh, it, it shapes the way you see yourself. It shapes your self-confidence. It shapes your understanding of, of your of your world you know so it's a it's a survival tool you know and and it's a survival tool that should be readily available in a post-democratic south africa in the spaces where people look for information you know like school children should be taught about mm. black consciousness from a very early age mm. white children should be talk about, taught about black consciousness from a very early age if mm. you're growing up in post-apartheid south africa we should be we should have programs on television on radio like this one it's fantastic that you're having this conversation you know but we should be using more mainstream media programs to talk about mm, how definitely. black consciousness has shaped black people's experiences in this country and beyond our borders you know so that as south africans we also locate ourselves you know be, be, we locate our experiences as mm. individuals within a broader historical and political context you know mm. and that has a real lived impact on that has a real impact on our lived experiences as people you know, I'm listening to you, Lebo, and you're such a missing voice in the mainstream. I remember when I used to watch your program, your documentary program, Latitude. I was such a young kid. And I used to love the way you used to tell stories. So I'm listening to you speak about black consciousness, and I'm enjoying every piece of um, words that are coming from, from your mouth. But Professor Dulamo, let, let me come back to you as well, because that accessibility of the black consciousness ideal is something that can be related. I mean, you were speaking around the fact how it used to be related to um, our Christian values and also uh, Christ, black Christian uh, Christianity and theology. But it seems we've lost that. And I think because of what Lebo Mashile is saying, the fact that now um, our Churches have become very material-based. Um, everything is based upon success or becoming something um, physically materialized. Uh, but we, we've lost this kind of sentiment of our own selves, even within our religious structures or even our own African philosophies. Um, you know, literature, I think, uh, uh, is available. It's just that there is this uh, mindset, especially among um, our young people, who really do not uh, have uh, interest in politics as a whole. Mm. And um, but I think our young people must just go there and get the material. It is available, mm. um, especially uh, about the black theology. Mm. It, it is available as well, but it says that uh, now, um, and as Biko said, you know, Biko was a Christian, was an Anglican, uh, but uh, 
he had issues with the church even at that time. Mm. But the church, for example, was using Latin instead of using the vernacular. But uh, the church was interested in, in, in administrative and financial things and not at the core of the message of Jesus Christ, that Jesus was our liberator. So he said uh, he is uh, religious, he is godly, but he is not going to be working with a church that has abandoned its commission of preaching um, the gospel of liberation. Mm-hmm. Because for him, um, as, as he says, uh, 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 like theology is a situational interpretation of Christianity mm-hmm. for black people. So. And if he doesn't do that, then it has lost its commission. Mm. It has lost its commission. Mm. And, th- and therefore, uh, we from the church side, I think there is much that we have got to do. But unfortunately, since 1994, um, we have just gone a little bit quiet. Um, we, we are back to our usual business, you know, uh, but we do not really reach out to the community. In our theology, we do not address mm. the aspirations, the anxiety of the black majority who are suffering in this country. Okay. Let me take a quick break and then we're going to wrap it up when we come back and uh, we'll speak to how do we take this idea forward and also we'll find out what uh, uh, Lebu Mashile is uh, doing at the Market Theatre after that. I am here that she is uh, involved in a play about Sarah Bartman, another uh, figure that maybe we should uh, speak about in the few uh, weeks to come as we look at heritage, especially from the legacy left by those who came before us. Uh, but let's take a quick break. We'll be back after this. Across the globe, every second, there's always a breaking story. What we want to achieve is a healthy and vibrant economy, which can ensure full employment to our people. The government concurs with the views of the Black Economic Empowerment Council report that it is now necessary to make our policies on Black Economic Empowerment more explicit. Last May, I asked constituencies at Netle to discuss youth employment incentives. I'm pleased that discussions have been concluded and that agreement has been reached on key principles. We are on an ambitious drive to industrialize, to attract investment, and to create more jobs for the youth of our country. They don't have jobs. Um. I tried looking for a job for a year and a half now. The challenges were experience and the, the level of education which I have. Channel Africa. Thank you for joining me, Benjamin Mushata. I'm right here on Channel Africa. Remember, we're on DSTV Channel 802 on the audio book here. And if you're streaming us live, we're on www.channelafrica.co.za. Uh, today, we're speaking uh, to uh, Professor Ramatate Dolamo, who's Emeritus Professor at the Discipline of Theological Ethics Department at the University of South Africa. We also have Lebu uh, Mashile, who's uh, a young uh, performer. She's not a young perf- performer anymore, I'm sure. Um, but I know when 
when I was younger, I used to really follow her. She's informed my politics. She's informed a lot of my thinking as a, a, a young uh, performer. And uh, I'm a really big fan still to this particular day. So it's great to be speaking to you, Lebu. Lebu, okay, how do we take this thing forward in terms of reimagining what black consciousness could look like today uh, before we get into what you're doing at the Market Theatre? I know you've got limited time as well. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. So, I mean, if you look at, for example, the generation in the 70s um, that included, you know, incredible young people like Steve Biko at the time, if you look at how black consciousness was used as a mobilizing tool to conscientize young people at the time, it happened quite organically, but it, I mean, it was, it was very highly organized, but it was young people... Uh, conscientizing each other out of necessity. It was young activists using the spaces that they had, churches, schools, you know, banned books, people using this philosophy to um, empower and to inculcate ideas that would help them to be able to fight a system that was oppressing them. So it was, it, it grew because of necessity. It grew and, and that it was a very um, internal and pressing necessity, you know, in the minds and the hearts of the young people who uh, ultimately, you know, paved a path to the liberation of this country. You know, um, I think where we sit right now, I don't want to demand diminish the contribution that is being made by young people right now mm -hmm. you know if i look at the generation that is coming in of uh, into its own right now you know what people refer to as millennials and even the generation after millennials i'm mm -hmm. 40 now you know so i can't exactly describe myself as young <laughs> although it's very kind of you <laughs> well I, I, mean, I, I, I maybe i'm i'm very retrospective myself <laughs> it's okay i appreciate it we were all young at some point even you but you know if i look now at, at like the Fees Must Fall generation or the young people who um, are, are taking to social media now, you know, to speak about gender-based violence and to speak about femicide, the young women who are organizing the total shutdowns, you know, um, there is a, a, an organic, once again, an organic resurgence of, conscious, of consciousness raising that is happening right now in South Africa. And the problem, I think, is the fact that the mainstream is oblivious to it, you know. So when I was 20 25 years old and I was working at the SABC, there was a moment of history where um, it was possible to be able to have programming like that mm. on mainstream media in mm. people's homes True. at prime time, you know? But right now, what are we talking about on mainstream platforms? What are families watching at prime time, you know? We're busy watching black people beat each other up over men. Mm. We're busy watching families fight each other. Mm. We're busy watching degrading content that, mm. that is, that is anti-black, yeah. you know? And, and that and that paints the worst possible picture of who we are. Not to say that these things are not happening, but why is that content uh, being elevated at the expense of content that could be uplifting and giving dignity to our people? Mm. Um, I feel very lucky to be an artist right now because the, the arts have constantly been engaging with this kind of with this kind of stuff. And again, why is the mainstream not able to create platforms and programs that focus on what artists in this country are doing? Artists across across genres, from mm. dancers to poets mm. to theater makers, are speaking about these issues and have been speaking about these issues. That gives me inspiration. Mm. I'm currently working on a piece about the life of Sarki Bartman. It's called Venus versus Modernity. Um, we've had six shows so far in this run.
run. Tonight is our official media launch, but the show is running up until the 28th of September. It's a two-hander play that explores the life of Saki Bartman, who many people know was a coy woman who was enslaved in the Cape. And then from the Cape, she was taken to Europe and was put on display, was degraded, was abused. Um, at the age of 25, she died in Paris. Um, she was one of the most visible, famous figures of her time. Um, she died in Paris at the age of 25. And the most famous scientist of, uh, in, in Paris, in France at the time, uh, bought her body and pickled her vagina and her brain. And those were on display at the French National Museum, along with a life-size cast of her body. Those were put on display at the French National Museum until 1976. Um, and then in 2002, uh, the South African government petitioned sure. for her body to be brought back home. Mm. Um, so she's now buried in the place of her birth in the Khamtuz River Valley. Yeah, I remember yeah. that was a momentous moment for the country, I remember. Huge, mm. huge. So we're using music, poetry, theater, imagery uh, to tell this incredible story. Mm. And I'm performing with one of the most amazing actresses that I've ever worked with in my entire life, an opera singer named Anne Massina, who spent the last 20 years Great. touring with William Kentridge, so went to Gospel Choir, Robin Orland, and she's acting for the very first time doing a full run in South Africa. So it's an extraordinary piece, and it's up until the 28th mm. of September. Fantastic. Thank you, Lebo, for giving us your time. And I'm sure I'm going to come through to that particular um, uh, performance. It sounds fantastic. But thank you for thank also you. giving us your time. Professor Dolamo. Thank you. Sure. What, what are your final sentiments in terms of how we take this uh, idea forward? How do we um, revive it and bring it into our consciousness in terms of us being aware of it? Mm-hmm. Um, I really like what Lebo is doing. And um, really, without education and research, we will never know who we are and what we are capable of. And as they are doing, say, through drama, I mean, even during the time of Biko, the they separated themselves into into categories that others should be in the performing arts, others should be doing music, you know, others should be doing uh, Christianity, you know, politics, and so on. And I believe that um, if uh, we can be able to uh, integrate black consciousness into our curriculum, we will go uh, halfway through that into mm-hmm. understanding what is happening. And the founders um, of, of, of the movement, uh, of the philosophy, most of them now are uh, way into their 70s. And I think time has come that we should really make use of them for platforms such as this one, mm-hmm. for workshops, for conferences, to bring out papers, research papers, that can maybe fit into the kind of uh, syllabus and curriculum that I have in mind. Mm, so, sure. yeah, they, they, they are, most of them definitely they are in their mid-70s. Mm. And, uh, we, we, we have to make use of them. Um, I consider myself uh, as a second generation of mm. these people. And um, the first generation, sure. yeah, the Manpila, Tijana, Inikwapa, and all those others. Mm. And we should really make use of them when we have a platform such as this one. Sure. Thank you so much, Prof. Thank you for your insights as well. I really appreciate even your words of encouragement at the end of uh, the program and also just the insights you gave us linking all these uh, various generations uh, together and also the societal challenges. So thank you for giving us your time.
Thank you very much for having me on here. African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. This is a very significant historical election. This crisis is still damaging, especially Finnish and European economies very hardly, and that's an important reason to get more and more co- cooperation. And uh, what we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of uh, Tiwonge and uh, Stephen, and also we see Malawi violating its international commitments. Well, the position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting for marine species in particular. African Dialogue, a talk show where we cover anything and everything.